you get sometimes less is more, especially with Della Vadova. And I give the credit I heard on NBA TV last night that breaking down the game, Steve Smith said a great point that Della Vadova should be sort of the sixth man coming off the bench. Let Jr. start, and that way his minutes can be a little decreased. But then you'll have sort of LeBron as the point guard with Shump and Smith, right, and then. Maybe Jr. will have more flow or energy and confidence starting with the threes. And then Della Vadova could come in and be the backup point guard. You know, I mean, to me, they got killed on the glass last night. And LeBron's still 40, uh, what, 14 and 11. 14 I mean, he's and 11. insane. Ah, oh, LeBron is insane. But he cannot do this alone. And the guys, they didn't shoot that well. You know, I mean, let's be honest. Jr. and Della Vadova and these guys – they're not offensively gifted to give you points other than really, you know, some lucky floaters in their shooting. Yeah, JR can penetrate off of, you know, a little bit, and Delvadova throws in some floaters, but you can't play Timothy Mozgov nine minutes. Nobody in their right mind. And forget that the game before he had 28 points, but nine minutes. That's well, insane. Glad to go to your, to your point. Their bench is not as talented, so why are you trying to match Steve Kerr? Your main advantage in the Cleveland Cavs is that your front court is better than their front court, right? James, Mozgov, and Tristan Thompson, although James is a point guard too, is a point forward now. But those three are better than their three. So you need to take advantage of the only strength you have. Well, LeBron's, LeBron's the, the, the number one asset you have. But the second asset you have is your front court and your size. And playing Mozgov nine minutes, I bet they're going to work on that in practice, though, because like you said, Mozgov doesn't really know how to play off of the double team. So they need to mm-hmm. work on his uh, uh, you know, ability to pass, see the open man, get – some rotation, player rotation, ball movement, but you're right. Definitely. Ray, let's, let's, let's bring in our guest, though. We have ESPN New York's Knicks beat writer, Ian Bagley, with us. Ian, are you there? Hey, what's up, gentlemen? How are you guys doing? Hey, how you doing? Great. Well, congratulations. You did some off-court, you know, <laughs> taking care of business off the court. So we, uh, we congratulate you on that. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Thanks a lot. Definitely, oh, definitely. Man. That's well, great stuff, Ian. Yeah, well, welcome so to the hit club. him, Ray. Welcome hit him up. We got a lot to yeah. talk about with you, Ian. <laughs> to do yeah, it. so Let's we do we started it. talking about these NBA finals, and I uh, just wanted to get your take as a fan. I mean, you're also a reporter, and and you know the NBA. But as a fan, what's your take on this NBA finals now that we're at three two? Oh, as a fan, I'm loving it. I mean, I just hope they can go seven. I, I, I want it yep. to go nine. I want it to go eleven. <laughs> I can't get enough of of this matchup. I love the drama. Uh, I love LeBron getting the green light every time down and just seeing what he can do against a, a Warriors defense that are so dedicated to stopping him. It's just it's fascinating, uh, and there's so many different angles to look at this thing through, and I I really can't get enough of it. That's great. You know, we, we same agree. way, same way. Love it. So let me ask you something. <laughs> win or lose, let me put this question to you. Win or lose, should LeBron win the MVP? And if he does it in a losing effort, he'd only be the second, uh, along with Jerry West in 1969, to win the MVP on a losing team. I think you have to wait to see what happens in game six. 
in game seven, um, you know, maybe Steph Curry carries the Warriors on his back or has an incredible fourth quarter in game six to lift them uh, to the title, or maybe he has a, you know, an emphatic uh, legendary game seven to lift them to the title, and maybe someone on the Warriors team emerges. So I think it's too premature to really discuss finals MVPs before the series is done. We don't know yet how this thing is going to play out. But let's say, for instance, that Cleveland, uh, excuse me, Golden State had won this thing already with their win last night. Then I think you give it to LeBron because he's had a fantastic series. Uh, throw the efficiency card out the window if you're me because you're asking oh, yeah. him. You're asking him to carry this team. You're not asking him to shoot better than 50% from the floor and, and set up open teammates and do all of it, all, everything that is defined as being efficient these days, you're asking him to throw that out the window, to take the ball and to win you the game, and that's what he's done uh, for, throughout the playoffs and in these finals. You have to give him credit there, so I'd give it to him. But I think we have to see what happens from here on out. Fair enough. Do they have a shot to win it in? Yes. Yeah, I think they do have a shot. I mean, I think the odds, obviously, favor Golden State. It doesn't take a mathematician to tell you that. But I think they do have a shot. Anytime you have a healthy, rested LeBron James, you have a chance to win a basketball game against any other team on the planet. I don't care who it is. I think what it will come down to is, you know, how much can you get from LeBron, how much gas does he have left in the tank. And also, how does David Blatt play this situation with Timothy Mozgov does he get him back on the floor? And lastly, what can they get from Iman Shumpert and J.R. Smith? Can these ex-Knicks give the Cavs something? Can they show a little bit of support for LeBron James? Can they get him over the finish line in game six? Perfect, perfect segue, Ian. You said it. The Knicks and uh, the ex-Knicks to see them in the finals. But I got to talk to you about our current and future Knicks. Do you think they'll keep the number four pick? Obviously, I know you just put it out there about Chad Ford saying they might trade it. If they keep the number four pick, what would you think they might take? But then if they trade it, could you see them sort of trading down for Boston's two picks, a 16 or 28, or maybe to Phoenix for 13 and get, you know, maybe picks and a veteran player, maybe a Gerald Green or P.J. Tucker? What are your thoughts draft night? What does Phil do? Well, I think if they do keep the pick, they have a plethora of good options. I think what it comes down to is do you take Emmanuel Moutier because it's a point guard league and you need a point guard, or do you take Justice Winslow uh, because he can do so many different things to help your team win games at that spot? Or I think if you trade down, you don't trade down too far because I think you still want to get – a player who can impact, give you an impact, make an impact in the first year, in his first year in the league, because you're coming off a 17-win season. You force fans to sit through one of the worst seasons, the worst seasons <laughs> in franchise history, and the, the light at the end of the tunnel was this drastic. So if you're if you're saying, hey guys, sit through this, we're gonna we're gonna get a good draft pick. There's gonna be you know benefits all this, and then you trade down to the end of the lottery. For, for veteran players who are really not going to move the needle and, and an end-of-the-first-round pick who is not going to really move the needle, you know, what, what? why lose all those games? Why tank the season? So I think even if you trade the pick, you have to still keep it within the top ten 
if you really want to justify losing all those games to this fan base, I think that's part of what the factoring that has to go into the Knicks thinking with this pick. Right. So looking towards the free agency with these unrestricted free agents, I mean, realistically, you know, do we have enough space to get to? Could we pair up uh, the Portland boys like Aldridge, whose house is on the market with Wes Matthews coming off the injury? Or could we get a Gasol and Butler? Or do we have to get one of those major guys and then sort of a guy that's at a, you know, the next tier down? What are your thoughts of who we could get and who we might go after? If you're looking at their financial financial situation, they've got about $27 million to spend this summer. I mean, that leaves you with, I think, going after a, a max contract guy, uh, whether it's a Greg Monroe. Uh, you'd love to be in the conversation for the bigger guys on the market, the Marcus Aldrichs, the Marcus Souls, Kevin Loves potentially. I don't know if you're going to be in that conversation. So then you look at, you know, second-tier guys, the Monroes, um, as you mentioned, the West Matthews. But I think if you can if you can get a max player, bring him in here like a Greg Monroe, then you you go after the the second tier, third tier wings, point guards, what have you. Um, and then I think you still should save some money for the following summer between that cap's going to go up significantly. And yeah. I think you want to put yourself in position to sign a max player in 2016. Now to do that. You have to save some of your cap space from this summer in order to be able to go after Kevin Durant of the world next summer. So I think you, you spend money this summer, but you don't you don't blow all your cap space this summer. You keep some of it for 2016, so you go after a max guy that summer. And that's another great point that, you know, we I don't think we've ever been in this scenario, Ian, where everybody knows that the cap's going to go up. And so... If everybody could be on, it's like baseball in the 50s and 60s, right? If everybody could be on a one-year contract, they would be so that they could all cash in in 2016. But the problem is if everybody does that, then, you know, somebody's going to be left without a place to sit, right, if you're playing musical mm-hmm. chairs. So mm-hmm. how has that, has that affected the, the thinking of free agents and GMs out there, the, the, the whole free agency in 2015 and free agency in 2016 and the cap jumping up next year, presumably? I assume so. I think you're going to see exactly what you described. Some guys taking one-year deals, maybe some guys opting in if they have an option next year uh, to take advantage of that 2016 money. That's certainly going to impact the landscape significantly. So, yeah, that's something to keep an eye on for this summer. If I'm a free agent and I have confidence that I can stay healthy in, in 2015 and be productive, I would sign that one-year deal and then take advantage of the market 2016 and get some more money. So I can see that being a part of, of players' thinking, and it's going to be an interesting interesting angle to really think about and carry with you throughout free agency. So give Nick fans, Ian, a little bit of hope. You kind of have set the table for us, and we thank you again for joining us. We really appreciate it. If if you could give us two free agents and Winslow or Moutier, what, what would you say that would be the next starting five going into the, to the season with so the combination of those guys with the current team? So if you're saying take Winslow and then, and then go into free agency, I think the best case scenario for the Knicks is, if you, let's say you're taking Winslow. So you have a wing who can defend on the wing. 
then you're looking for you still have a need at point guard. So maybe you're looking at, you know, a Pat Beverly. Uh, you know, maybe the kid who Milwaukee traded, uh, Brandon Knight at point mm. guard. And then uh, if you compare those those three, and I'm including Melo in that three, with uh, a big guy, either an offensive-minded big guy in Greg Monroe or a defensive-minded big in Robin Lopez or Omer Sheik, then you have a good starting five, a starting five that can certainly compete in the East, can certainly compete for a playoff spot in the East, may be able to, you know, turn a winning record in its first year together. So I think you're putting yourself in position to, to be back in the playoffs to take a step forward from last year if you could put a starting five like that together. Are Calderon and Bargnani just going to be gone? I mean, what are your thoughts on those guys? Yeah, I, I don't think uh, – you know, I don't think Bargnani's going to be back, but I think, you know, let's say the Knicks drafted a point guard in Emmanuel Moody, then I think Jose Calderon becomes a lot more valuable only because he's a veteran, a leader, a guy who can be counted on to come in and spell Moody and tutor Moody. So I think his value takes on a different meaning if the Knicks were to draft a point guard. Uh, I see him coming back either way because, uh, quite honestly, I don't think Phil – uh, cuts him under the stretch provision or gets rid of him because that's admitting total failure in his first right. trade, the, the Calderon trade <laughs> for Chandler and Felton. I don't think Phil wants to do that. Uh, Phil, Phil, Phil. Well, let's hope Phil makes uh, makes an exciting draft night, Ian. We'll be watching you on Twitter. The fans always you know, love it. Check out Ian Bagley from ESPNNewYork.com, and always we see him on ESPN and Twitter, at Ian Bagley. Ian, we appreciate you joining us and coming back to yep. Tate today. You know your family, so thanks again, man. Yeah, thanks for sharing the knowledge with us. We'll check in with you as uh, you know after the draft, as the season starts to heat up. And, and you know, Eric, uh, Tay's favorite is uh, – that Las Vegas summer camp. Summer league. So, <laughs> summer league <laughs> yes, will have sir. a lot to talk about. <laughs> yes, sir. Let's do it. Uh, all sounds good, guys. Thanks always for having me. All right, Ian. All right, Ian. Listen, job, you, listen, arguments, Ian, arguments, you're always wrong. <laughs> always wrong. I can never put my foot down again. That's how it works, right? <laughs> Just remember, happy, happy Ray, Ray and Tay have learned life? it. We're, we're always wrong, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to accept it, right? <laughs> oh man! Have, yeah, have a good one, man. Have a great right, summer. Guys, take care. Yeah, thanks Talk to you soon. Great job. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Oh man, great, great job from Ian Bagley talking Knicks a little bit NBA Finals. We're gonna get back to the finals because there's a lot about Game Five okay, we haven't we addressed. We got another caller, and we, we got, got caller. our caller from DC, the Warriors. Well, Fan Oren Luke, oh Luke, the Wizards oh, are going to listen. The Wizard fans are about to kick you out of DC. I heard some cats yeah. are looking for you. They're about to send you out to Oakland with Stacy. What's going on, man? No, what's going on, fellas? Hey, what's going on? Oh man, nothing, nothing. So, so anything, wait, wait, before, anything in this before game we get five? to Game Five, wait, wait, wait before we okay. get to Game Five, Ray, let, let me ask. Oh. What did you think about, you know, what Ian Bagley was saying about, about our Knicks? You grew up in New York, so part of you is still a Knicks fan. What did you think about what Ian was saying with the Knicks, man? Well, first, I mean, that was a great – to have him on your show, that's great. I mean, that, and his insight was uh, definitely a, a shining moment to me to, to speak think about the Knicks fans, and hopefully they follow through the things he was saying that give us some competitive edge. Because, goodness gracious, Phil Jackson, I don't know what's happened to him since he's been there, but – 
maybe he needs to he needs to have a call with Ian too and 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 listen to his uh, insight <laughs> on what he needs to do. I would say because uh, if he can pull that off. Which I don't what, what he's saying. I think he can, and that'd be great. I mean, in the East, the Knicks aren't that out far out of it because the East is so wishy-washy, pretty much anyway. I mean, you don't really need a winning season to get in the playoffs in the East right now. So, hopefully, they make some make some moves like that. They have to. Yeah. Yeah, I, you're right. And and here's the funny thing is, he was seconds away from hiring Steve Kerr. And what a different fortune Steve Kerr now has, you know, one game away from playing for an NBA title, whereas the Knicks are a 17-win team. So 67 wins versus 17 wins, uh, I think Steve Kerr made the right choice. But let's get back to the NBA Finals. Was there anything in that game five that you saw that surprised you? And then if you're a Cleveland Cavs fan, is there anything in that game that leads you to believe that you can come home and win in game six? No to both. Okay. <laughs> I would say no, no. The reason why I think that people are giving Blatt a hard time about the Mozgov, but I think Mozgov was gassed. And I think that, remember I said last time. How can he be gassed playing nine, nine minutes? Nine wait, minutes. wait, 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 wait a minute. How is he gassed? You can't even say that going into the game because they had the extra day of rest. He's not gassed going into the game. That's not fair. Oh, come if on. You look at, if you look at how he was going, when they were inbounding the ball to him, he wasn't even fighting for position to get to the ball. He wasn't, he wasn't, his intensity wasn't up where it needed to be. And I think that at the end of the day, they are not trying to lose at home. I think they, they conceded and say, you know what, we're going to have a fresh Mozgov at home because they're going to go back to the original formula. They're not trying to lose at home at any rate. That's what their plan is. I and agree I with that. I, and, and, I, and I think they will go back to Mozgov because he yeah. is the second best offensive threat on this team now. Clearly. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think they want you to know? go to fresh Mozgov because you remember, these guys aren't – LeBron's the only one used to playing heavy minutes like this. Yeah, so saying that earlier. We can yeah. say that he, he, he was gassed to me to how he looked. He wasn't as intensive – his intensity wasn't there, I should say, and also the way he was moving was a little lackluster, a little bit fatigued, even though he was only in the, in the game momentarily. I think that Black said, let me pull him out and rest him. I need you as fresh as well. I need you to bang down there with Tristan Thompson. It's, it's hard for a seven-footer to keep banging like that with all those minutes because they're banging them because they're smaller than them. And so, you know, they let a lot of fouls go. And the way he plays. A ton. Plays a lot of LeBron got around. hacked so many times. Let me tell you something. I listen, and to be honest, I love the I love LeBron, and I also respect Curry, and I you know I I I like the, this Warrior team, even though I didn't pick them. I actually like this team; they're fun. But if I'm being honest and fair, and since I'm a Knicks fan, and I don't care about either of these teams, you know, at the end of the day, I won't be really sad whoever wins. The refs have been horrible in this whole series, and I really feel that the calls have favored Golden State in the sense that because of their smaller lineup, there have been so many fouls on LeBron when he's gone to the hoop that they're just not even calling. Now, Cleveland makes obvious fouls, like when JR does that stupid play and, you know, shoves the guy or whatever. But, I mean, it's – I don't know. I feel like, you know, LeBron doesn't even get the calls that James Harden was getting. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, come on, this is crazy. To well, me. I think I think they play in different styles. LeBron is driving and slashed to the basket, so you're gonna let them mingle mingle up a little bit more when somebody's driving to the basket and to see what happens on the, in the end of the play when he's shooting. 
I think they're calling him more on the shot than, than he's driving in. I agree with you. Some some of the fouls are with him driving, but I think it goes back and forth because a lot of times he's creating separation with his elbow, pushing off with his hand. So it goes. Yeah, you know, he it, pushed off. Go, yeah, those he pushes off a lot. I mean, but it goes back and forth when they're letting them play. I like they're letting them play because if you think about it, who should be benefiting more from letting them play? The bigger team. They're just not able to benefit and the, from And them. the team with less depth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I absolutely. Just think that again, you know, they just But listen, game six, not only do you need to see Tim O'Fay, as Ray would say, mm-hmm. I'm so tired of the fact that even when you consider game five, nine minutes, and he finally played Miller and Jones 14 and, and, and 17 minutes or whatever, you have got to put in Sean Marion. The guy's going to retire in freaking two to three days, show the, the Matrix. Matrix some respect, and put him in the game. Put Sean Marion in the game. But we don't see these guys in practice. And, and, and I don't know, maybe you, he just doesn't have anything left because James oh, Jones and Mike Miller didn't do anything. They were in Mike the Miller game did and okay last night. Mike Miller did okay last night. Listen, you, you did he really for an oh. NBA Finals? A guy that's been in an NBA Finals, he did okay. I mean, but listen, if what, you don't play them, the guys are going to die on the court. You know, Delavadova can't play no forty minutes. As, as good as the story has been, he's got his own hashtag on Twitter. Everybody's buying his jerseys. It's real cute. But Delavadova is nobody forty minute, forty one minute game player. That's the dude true. is exhausted. He's cramping up, walking off the court like he's got poopy in his pants, and it's because of the fact that my man can't play this many minutes. Well, he just can't. I mean, at the end of the day, these are professional players, and they said uh, Curry had to get he had to get treated for dehydration too. They're going both ways. They both were putting it all on the floor. But I think no, no, you put it all on the floor. But I'm saying every game. Oh, haven't you noticed a pattern? And we see it every game. Come midway yep. through the fourth, this team is dead. Nobody yeah. can hit oh, a yeah. shot. Nobody yeah. can move. And it's because of the fact they're playing too many minutes. I'm not asking Sean Marion to be a star. He might not even have to touch the daggone ball. Go get an offensive rebound, foul somebody, and, and run up and down for three minutes. He can do that. It's a, you know, don't insult the Matrix that he can't go in there and do that because he can. He could go in there and stick Iguodala or Draymond Green for three minutes and give LeBron an extra rest. I, it's just I smart. If, At the end of the day, I'm sorry. If you somebody I, I, in at this intensity in a game six when you have not gotten off the bench, that's like me and you getting out there on the court and trying to keep up. You know, they, it, the person's going to – you have to get in – he's not in, in final shape. He's in game shape but not in final shape. And the way they're playing out there, he'll be a bigger liability than he's worth – than he's, than he's a puff back. His plus and minus factor would be totally negative to me. If you want him to run minutes, that's fine, but – that's what's saying with Jones and Miller. What do they do when they're in there? They really didn't contribute to do much at all to help. Well, listen, both, both of them have hit shots. James Jones and, and Miller, they create sport, uh, spacing on the court, and they can also hit some threes. I mean, at some point, Shumpert and Smith get tired, and they also get tired of shooting up bricks. So sometimes you have to put in Jones and Miller. You know what I mean? I mean, listen, Jr. and Shumper, you know, they hit a couple last night, but that stopped. It got That's it true. got kind of hot for a second. You were like, "Ooh, Shumper hit a three. Jr. hit two threes, and then and then it, and then and then it didn't happen again. <laughs> so I mean, You're right? Yeah. 
I think that the I think that the Cinderella story has come crashing down. I think that at the end of the day, these guys outside of LeBron, you're asking them to be on a, a to raise the bar of their game in the highest intensity moment, which Shumpert's never. That they don't even have. Yeah. Score. No, I. Yeah, he's, I, I agree. he's a defensive player. So now you ask him to be a three-point specialist. Jarrod Smith, we know that's why the Knicks let him go. He's here one day, out one week. So nothing <laughs> has changed with Jarrod Smith's game, to be real. It's just that now no. that people are asking him to elevate his game, that's how he's been. He's been in the league, what, 10 years now or more? He hasn't, his game hasn't changed since Denver, since New York, and now people are looking at him to do more, but that's his game. He may All the more up. reason, all the more reason, and I know Ray kind of agrees with this, that LeBron James – might deserve to win MVP even of the oh, NBA Finals. No, no, no. Yeah, oh, no? oh, listen. No. Wait a minute. Oh, Wait, hold on. No. Make your case. Who you got? No. Iguodala? No. Are you giving it to Iguodala? Iguodala. Iguodala. Okay. Just, that Jerry West thing should have never happened. I don't understand at all. How can you be the MVP when you've lost? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. This is why it's it's only happened once before, right? So let's not, you know, it happened once in in, in football with with, with the Cowboys. But it's very, very rare. And I hear what you're saying. You have to win the game. You play to win the game. To win the game. As our boy Herb Edwards (laughs) says. But his, his, not only his effort, his performance, his output is so outstanding, LeBron James. And you took his second best player and his third best player, who happened to both be all-stars and who happened to be, be great players, and he made every game competitive. Even if they lose in six, this is a very competitive series, and it's oh, no, all no. because of LeBron James. And so, to me, you you do make exceptions in this case. LeBron, by far, by a factor of two, is the most important, the best performing. He's the most valuable and the most outstanding player in this. You know, sometimes somebody can be valuable, but they don't perform that great. LeBron is by far the best player on the court in the universe, and he's performing. <laughs> so it's not his Wait. fault. It's, at the end of the day, it's still a 5-1-5 game. And so it's, exactly. it's LeBron and- against the world. And Ray, you're tell- and O is saying that he would do Iguodala, not even Curry. And guess what? Iguodala has been sticking the bond, playing great defense, and he's still averaging forty. So that's what's so sick about LeBron's performance. Everyone all, would admit Iguodala is doing it's a good a job. There's a lot of switches going on. Remember, there's a lot of switching going on, a lot of doubles. True, but I know, but I- Iguodala is getting credit for for playing did. him well. He's yeah. played him well. And my man still has 40. Clay Thompson sticks him a little bit, maybe a little bit green. It's been mostly Iguodala, and LeBron is still averaging 40. I mean, listen, well, let's look how many I'm shots not, he's averaging. If you're averaging I, no, 35 I, shots, it's hard not to get I 40 know. when every shot's worth two points. Yeah, but and we're worried about his rebounds and his assists, though. He's not just chucking oh, no, it no, up. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not taking that away from him. I'm not taking that away from him. And LeBron's playing good defense, too. LeBron's playing good defense, too. If he's shooting 30 shots a game, I hard and you go on the line ten times. I'm not surprised you're getting forty a game when you are shooting thirty, thirty five times a game. But now, you're still rebounding and you're still assisting at a triple double level. And not only that, but the Cavs have no business. The Cavs should be swept. Let's be 
honest. Let's put it on the table. This is about yeah. as bad a team without Irving and Love as this they had more, in 07. This is just when a, they got a smidge swept, better than the 07 Cavs. This team is a little bit better than the 07 Cavs. This team should be swept. If you, if you did this, I mean, knowing what we know about LeBron, you might you might think differently. But if you played this on on uh, you know NBA 2K. 22K, yeah. 2K. <laughs> it would be it would be a sweep. They'd win. I don't know. If they played 50 times, I think that the Warriors would win 42 times out of 50, something crazy like that. This team has no business being in these games. And like I said, 48 minutes, it seems like if the game were 42 minutes, the Cavs might even win the series. But but LeBron, I don't know. I, you know it's, I hear what you're saying. Oh, he has nobody that can put the ball that, in the basket consistently. I got LeBron There's not anybody on the Cavs that can put the ball the, the in the Warriors, basket on a the, consistent level. The Warriors level. team this year reminds me of when, when LeBron went the first time in the finals with Cleveland. Inexperienced. And that's how they got swept by the San Antonio Spurs. If they came back another year after that, they would never got swept that first year. They were That's what, they would have won a fifth game? They didn't have any no, talent. Williams it's not just experience. And, and, and Barajal no, and Ilgowskis. Well, that, I'm saying that even still, he was still doing his numbers. I'm just saying that at the end of the day, he knows how to play so much better now. He knows how to control the game. And I'm just saying that it's Oh, no, he's a better player. Oh, no, no, definitely. He is, oh, yeah. he is the maestro. He's a much better player. I will, I will agree with that. I understand what you're saying in that sense. You're right yeah, about that but part of it. I just have a hard time. I think it's. I think, and I understand where people are coming from to acknowledge his performance. But I just, I'm old school with it to the point that you can't be an MVP when you've lost. I don't understand how you can get that. I, I mean, that there's an issue with how well you played, hands down. Has he had one of the best performances I've seen? Yes. But you've lost. Now, if it goes to a game seven. And it's a two-point game. Maybe I might reconsider it. Maybe, but I still have a hard time giving an MVP to a team that can't even get in the podium. I don't. I, I just. I just can't. You know. I just can't get that because in the, the day the team won. And I was saying that he's not MVP for his squad, but if his squad lost, that means okay, everybody uh, who, who's who's uh, got a great number against a winning team should be MVP. I mean, then it gets into the debate like how many times should we do this? I think that, you know, to me, it's a little bit of dangerous territory with that. I think Jerry West, that shouldn't have been done because now we can go back and harken on that. Right, and Bill Russell played well in that series. So, you yeah, know, the stats, yeah. you know, Bill Russell was always dominating. So, okay, listen, before we let you go and we move on to hockey and baseball, game six, give us a score, and who wins it? I see game six, 105-98, Golden State. I think what's going to happen is that, and this is what comes to David Blatt not understanding he's playing at a higher level. He's going to let them go out there. He's not going to rein them in not to expend too much energy. Because what Golden State, what Golden State does is almost like a rope dope type of thing. They let you come out there and gang bust style and, and go out there and, and be really rah rah. And then when your adrenaline's pumping, now they start running you up and down the court, and you're going to keep up with them, and then you start gassing out early. So I think that the only way that is going to, like I said, I think, I think he was smart by resting Mozgov. I think you're going to see if Mozgov gets 30 and 10 and LeBron does his 40, the triple-double, and you have to have Shumpert or JR to do something, double digits, for them to win that game. If not, I think it's going to be a 105-98 game. I think Curry's going to light up for 40. I think Curry's really upset with his Deladova talk. I think he's going to do it again. And, oh yeah, he he got yeah. busy last night. Curry was nasty oh, yeah. for thirty-seven. He's he's back. There's no more Della Vadova talk. Curry's nasty. Oh yeah, I just think that pop the, the day, champagne. 
<laughs> okay, wait. So if Curry wins, if Curry, if they win and Curry drops forty, how is Curry not MVP? Because he had two games out of six. I think Iguodala. Game one pick. wasn't horrible. When you look at the and the fourth quarter and game and game four. Okay, the, I'm just the, at, listen. I'm the, just throwing it out the there. Big shot. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, okay. now, Curry, could, Curry, if he comes with a big performance, that would be great for them. But and Curry's the in, sexier choice, right? So if, if there's a tie, yeah. it'll go to yeah. Curry because he's the exactly. defending yeah. MVP. The MVP and his, yeah. 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 All right, Ray, break it down before we let our go, oh go. Game six, what's happening? You know, I think it'll be a lot like game five. It'll be close going into the fourth quarter, and then, like O said, they're just going to run out of gas and – this Warriors score too easily, too quickly, and they'll just pull away. So I think it'll be one hundred one eighty nine. I think wow. the I think the Warriors pull away in the fourth quarter. And now it's Tay's turn. <laughs> I'm dying here. And gentlemen, there's a thing that I mention sometimes with my Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh and Lord, it's called don't start with deep. This. Water faith from the and, Knicks fans, and O knows about deep water faith. When mm-hmm. I used to spank him on 2K and college basketball and college on the video games, and when you when, when uh, what was it North Carolina used to spank Seton Hall, O knows. So with deep water faith, LeBron will get 43, 11, and 10. Mozgov will get 20. Jr. We'll get his teens, delved over his teens. They're going to hit some threes. But what's going to happen more importantly? I think he finally does play Marion, Harris, or Hayward. They rest Delavadova a little bit, and these guys have some energy for the fourth quarter because I think Blatt heard me. I sent some texts out to him, some tweets and stuff. And the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James, the king, force a game seven. And with three days rest, anything can happen, baby, game seven. Just know it. Just know it. And Friday the 19th, we will be on the air previewing the finals, game seven, and anything can happen. The Cavs win 99-96. ESPN and ABC would be really, really thrilled. Because I think they said that this game five got the best rating since 2004. So they are ecstatic with Tay's pick, but, oh, Luke and Ray, we have the truth for you, (laughs) which is that there's not enough bullets in the holster for the Cavs. All right, oh, thanks for calling, man. Great call, and obviously we'll be back back Friday, and, um, you know, we'll see what happens tomorrow night. All right, fellas. Talk to you later. Thanks for the call. All right. Be good. Oh, man. Ray, uh, I, I, I love it because you know what? Obviously, going from Ian, then having a great caller like O call in, you just, you just love talking about. Now, time for NBA Call. Ray and Tay. Yeah, that NBA talk. But now. It's time for some Stanley Cup final. The cup is in the building. It flew on the plane. It's there. The Blackhawks won game five like I said they would. 
I picked them to win the series, and it's going down tonight. Can the Lightning do it? Will Bishop, will, will your boy um, Stamkos wake up? He, he's been disappeared. I think he's got kidnapped. What's going to happen, Ray? Can the Lightning win on the road because they are the road warriors? Or do the veterans, Patrick Kane, Crawford, and all the cat, all of the Blackhawks and all of Chicago sports go crazy because we have another title, their third in, what, six years, a dynasty? So let me say this. As much as we've <laughs> liked the NBA finals, these NHL finals have been even closer. No oh, team one goal every game. Final exactly has opened up a two goal lead in the whole series. So in five games, there's never been more than a one goal lead in in the whole you know in the whole what is it sixty times five three hundred minutes. There hasn't been a two goal lead in the whole series. There's an MIA. APB out there for Stamkos and Kane. So you could argue that they offset each other, but Both neither of them players. has scored in the finals. So the Lightning, I think, are more banged up than we know. That front line, that first line of theirs is banged up, and I think that Johnson, who had the great couple of series before the finals, yeah, Tyler, is not disappeared. what he was. And with that, plus Stamkos being hurt, plus they've got a couple other injury, key injuries. The Blackhawks have all the experience. Ben Bishop looks to be okay physically, so that's good. He, you know, he ran into, uh, you know, he had that that physical uh, uh, hit earlier in the mm-hmm. game five. So everything is saying. Oh, by the way, the Blackhawks haven't won the cup at home since 1938, no. so they'll be fired yeah. up to do that. Oh yeah. So. Everything indicates that the Blackhawks are going to win at home. But Ray is here to tell you, fans, <laughs> that the Tampa Bay Lightning, there's something special about this team. And at the very least, they're going to bring this cup home and they're going to play for a Stanley Cup game seven. So you want the cup on the plane. That's what you're saying. Put the cup back on the plane. Put it back on the plane. Don't take it out. Don't carve anybody's name into it. Don't (laughs) do nothing. Put it back on the plane and send it back to the Sunshine State, uh, Florida, baby. I think that the just like they lost a 2-1 game, I think they'll win a 2-1 game. And Tampa Bay sends us to seven. Hmm. Well, I picked the Blackhawks, and I'm sticking with them. And I think there actually will be a two-goal spread finally in the game. The Blackhawks at home with their crowd going insane. Kane steps up. Crawford plays great days. They win 4-2, to two, and the place goes wild. And we see the Stanley Cup all over NBC. I think it's going to be amazing. I think tonight's game might actually be on NBC, not on uh, NBC Sports Network. I'm hoping that's what they do to give hockey some a little bit of light. You know, I don't like when they put it on the, the cable stand channel because, you know, then everybody's not watching it. So hopefully it'll be on NBC tonight. So Ray's got his lightning, and Tay is rolling with his Blackhawks in game six. Either way, it's been a great series, great Stanley Cup final. It's been a great NBA finals. 
We're coming down to the end of winter sports, Ray. It's all going to be about baseball and NBA free agency coming up for a while. Obviously, we have our draft preview coming up in, a, what, in this, gosh, it's the 25th, so our preview will be either that Monday or Tuesday. Um, so look for that. I'm, I'm getting excited. I'm hearing these trade rumors. You know, we, we talked about the Bucks making that move with Ilya Silva for Karan Butler and Sean Williams. So teams are getting active. Um, let's talk about some stuff off the field, though, as we get to baseball. One, and, and basketball, congrats to the Nuggets hiring Mike Malone, right, who, who got fired from the Sacramento Kings. So he's got yeah. a job. What do you think about that? I thought it was a good hire. You know, I don't know who the marquee free agent coaches are. I mean, obviously, you know, there's Scotty Brooks out there, and there's uh, uh, Kevin Ollie was rumored, you know, around, and there's a couple yeah. of, you know, uh, older you know, oh, veteran yeah. coaches floating around there. But I, I don't know that there's a guy out there that I'm like, that's my guy. I want my guy, co- that guy coaching my team. So, you know, and he's well respected, we Malone, and he's yeah, been a lifer. Respect. He's, Respect. He's been a lifer. Uh, we talked a little bit off the air about Joel Embiid and oh. his foot issues, and it might looks like another season. he yeah. might miss another season. So he's starting out a la Greg Oden and Sam Bowie, and you know you always That's worry sad. about the big men with their foot problems. And so Philly, you're like, what did we tank for? I wanted Noel and Embiid to play together, and then this kid Dario Saric might be coming over. Um, you know. And then they got another lottery pick. Now, listen, this could go crazy. If they draft the European, Kristaps Porzingis, and he winds up being a bust, and then they don't take Moutier or, you know, D. Russell or Okafor, the fans will flip out in Philly, and there will be, like, a riot in that building because <laughs> they've, they've suffered too much. They, no, they really suffered too much, you know. I mean, I, yeah, I got to like- believe that they would take – you know, a point guard, but who knows? It's like we keep joking, next year, next year, next year. Well, at some point, you got to play for this year. You know what I mean? And and the East is not gangbusters. You know, Chicago has its issues. Cleveland is really the, the, the class of the East. The Atlanta Hawks were basically pieced together, came out of nowhere to be this good. Nobody predicted them to be this good. Nobody predicted them to be any good. And, so and they might not be able to keep Carroll. Who knows what financials? They're saying that this guy might get a contract four years, $50 million. So maybe he heads somewhere to a team that's got well, money. Well, yeah, they'll you know too. I mean, they got to make a decision on who, who they're keeping and who they're letting go. But I guess my point, what I'm saying is for Philly, the East is weak. It's not like you're in the yes, West. There's an opening. Yeah, I could argue the Minnesota Timberwolves <laughs> maybe are saying to themselves, you know what, we have no chance in the next three to five years Oh yeah, let's do this. Let's West. do let's this realignment. Done. Yep. Let's get athletic. Minnesota, let's let's, let's go to the realignment. <laughs> yeah. But the Sixers, I mean, come on. You know, you could make the you could make the playoffs with a sub five hundred record in the East. So let's go. Put five on the court that you're that you're proud of. Get get a bench of three to four people. Let's go. Let's start winning games. The Philadelphia Seventy Sixers proud franchise. Julius it's a very proud franchise. At some point, don't they have to sign a free agent? Now, why wouldn't they go after Greg Monroe, LaMarcus Aldridge, Brooke Lopez? You know, they've got to spend some money, Ray. I mean, no, they don't absolutely. have they, they don't have anybody that's taking that cap up. 
No, absolutely. And it's kind of like the Clippers, yeah. who for years wouldn't sign anybody because they said, well, this guy isn't a franchise player. Well, you know what? Maybe you don't get the franchise player this time, but maybe you get him next time. So if Philly becomes this losing heaven, uh, now granted the cap is going up, you're going to have to throw a lot of money at mediocre players to come to Philly. So you need to lock it down, get yourself a veteran, and, and how about a LaMarcus Aldridge? How about somebody that is What if they could convince with... Rondo to go there? Oh, we talked about Rondo. They don't Rondo. have a point guard now. If they don't draft – look, if the Lakers take D'Angelo Russell at two, and then you're saying, okay, instead we go with Winslow, they don't want to take Moutier maybe, they go with this Kristaps Porzingis, then they need a point guard. What if they were able to sign Rondo and then maybe scoop up a Greg Monroe or somebody else? I mean, Philly could be, you know, in business quickly. Okay. And then if some of their free agents overseas come over and then, and then you know. Yeah, the Sara kid and Everett, Noel gets better. And, and Noel fills out a little bit, develops a little bit more of an offensive game. And, you know, I still think Joel maybe they, uh, <laughs> Maybe they trade up those three second-round uh, or four or five. They have six second-round picks, something crazy. Maybe they trade it up, and maybe they wind up drafting uh, Grant, and both the Grant brothers could play together. That would be fun. Could you imagine? That would be kind of cool. Get to play with your brother. But let's talk baseball. Let's talk some baseball, man. You know, we we know about these teams, you know, that have been in first place, the Yankees and the Royals, but there's some teams that are coming. Now, whether it's Minnesota, you, your Tigers are in third, they came and then they dropped back, but how about Tampa and Toronto? And the Blue Jays are back in business, 11 in a row. Everybody's pitching, everybody's hitting. And then tonight it's so important for the Yankees to sort of keep their lead and have Tanaka get the win. What has he got, 15 strikeouts and no walks in his first uh, two starts back? Can the Yankees hold off the, this uh, Rays and Blue Jays? What do you think? Well, first we got to say that the news of the day is that Bud Black got fired. So yes. the Padres yes. had a lot of expectations coming in, and they're in third place in their division. So – that's not probably good. the right move. You hate to see somebody lose their job, but probably the right move because he he did not do more with less. He did less with more. <laughs> yeah, this year they finally gave him a team, and they're and they're what are they one game under five hundred? But the point is that they're sitting behind the Dodgers and the Giants, who, if you look at their roster, they should be at least better than the Giants. They should be competing with the Dodgers for the NL West yeah. title. But, but Will, remember, Will Myers was on the DL for a bit. I got him on my fantasy team. He was out for a bit. He just got back. Kemp's been inconsistent. Kemp, you know, Shields yeah, has Kemp, pitched well, but you know, they're, they're, Kemp's hitting two fifty two six. He can't hit for power yeah. either. He's driving him no. runs, but he can't hit for power. But the Yankees. Back to the Yankees. So I think the only team that's really out of it, unless they make a major move, is the Red Sox. Other than that, the Yankees just lost two out of three to the Orioles. So between the Yankees, the Rays, the Jays, and the Orioles, they're only three games apart. So I really think this is going to come down to September, and it's going to be as simple as who plays well against the Well, and who winds up making a move, right? There's going to be a – listen, you're going to have some arms and some bats between Cincinnati and Philadelphia – that are going to want to drop players. Um, so you got to believe. Might be on the move. I would, I would love to have Johnny in New York. Oh, my goodness. 
Johnny. I'll take Johnny, and, you know, we got Stephen Drew, so I guess we couldn't take Brandon Phillips. Hey, I like Brandon Phillips. I saw him in an interview yeah, on Stephen Jim Rome's show. Hit. That guy's great. Stephen Drew cannot hit. I know, so maybe we middle, take Phillips and trade him for Drew. got a middle infield that just cannot hit. No, and Didi's not that good. Didi's had a rough start in New York. Maybe he'll get better, but he, he, you know, he's he's a gamer, but he's had a rough start in New York. Are the Houston Astros going to completely crash? <laughs> I mean, they finally won one. Um, they're still two and a half games up, but the Texas Ra- – yes, baby, the second-place Texas Rangers at 33-30 and 30 are looking like they're trying to make a move with all that offense they've been getting from Fielder and Hamilton and the boys. Um I'd hate to see the Astros totally collapse. They're two and eight in their last ten. They finally won a game, but Ray, I don't know. Well, you, I just, and you also got to figure that know. the Angels are too good to just roll over and play dead, and maybe and the, way the Mariners. Holes is hidden. Yeah, and maybe the Mariners Almost dug themselves homeless. too big of a hole, but the Mariners are a tough team also. So I gotta believe they'll they'll the month of July they're gonna make a run. I, I think I think July is the Mariners' month. I think they'll wake up and you know they're a little bit better. They're they're playing under than what they've been doing. So I I could see them stepping up. But how about the Mets, baby? I mean, come on, we got to give them some love. They're back in first. You know, it, it, it it's close, right? But they they got a little what half game lead on the Nats, and um, you know, you know they, me, they've I'm got surprised some players. By that. I'm surprised by that. Well, no, no, I, we're I really both surprised. The Nats would run away and hide. And they just designated Dylan G for assignment, the Mets. So, you know, they yeah. went to that six-man rotation trying to save some arms based on all those starters deserving to start every sixth day. But now and if you hear the Yankees G, might copy it. Nova's coming back, and the Yankees might copy it to help Tanaka, you know. To help Tanaka, really. That's the one that, that needs the help. And, and, and obviously the bullpen's been pitching a little too much. But, you know, I guess, to me, the health of Tanaka, and then are you ever going to get more than a back half of the rotation? Are you going to consistently, I should say, get more from CeCe Sabathia? Because uh, Novo is a middle-of-the-rotation kind of guy. Pineda is a top-of-the-rotation guy. And you know that you know what Tanaka is when he's healthy. But if CeCe can, can, can solidify that, even be a middle of the rotation guy, then the Yankees have a scary pitching staff, and that lack yeah. of offense up the middle and the inconsistency in the outfield can be overcome by pitching. But I don't know. I, I'm still hesitant to, to say that the Yankees are going to win this division. Well, hopefully they could get in a position where they stay around and maybe they pitch good enough, the defense improves because it's been horrible, that they could, you know, be around for a wild card. Like if the season ended today, how about our Pittsburgh Pirates, Ray, are basically, you know, they're still, what, five, six games out. But they, you know, I don't know if anybody's going to catch the Cardinals, but – They'd be in the playoffs. They, they'd have a wild card spot, and and I like to see that the Pirates are playing pretty good. They got the pitching going with Burnett and 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 McCutcheon and the boys are starting to hit. How do you like what the Pirates have been doing? They're looking all right. Thirty five wins now. You know, we always thought that this Pirate team was well built and that they should be sticking around for a while. Andrew McCutcheon got off to an 
awful start, but he's starting to turn it around, and the pitching staff is is there and is pitching consistently. So you like to see the Pirates back in it. Obviously, the the you know you don't have words for the Cardinals. They they just they are. You know, they might be the best franchise in all of sports. You know, how, how did they, Amazing. you know, sort of hit that home run with Albert Pujols? You know, they got as much out of him as they could, and then he won that big money, and then they said, you well, can you say can't do it. They're like the Patriots, right? Think about it. They've won different styles in different ways. Are Just they like filming the other pitchers and catchers when they do their warm-up sessions? Well, I think they're probably a little <laughs> bit legit, but some, but some might say, listen, they have hired Mark McGuire you know, so people would say that's a little shady, and their history with him has been shady. So they they're very much like the Patriots. Let's be real. Oh, I don't you know. You could go very with Mark McGuire, but I, I hear what you say. Look, consistently, consistent excellence. So the San Antonio Spurs in basketball, and and, and consistent excellence without mega stars. I mean, the Spurs obviously had had a mega star, have a mega star in Tim Duncan, and 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 the Cardinals did too in Pujols, but. They've won a couple without him. You know what I mean? They've gotten the most out of players that anybody could have had, and they've developed them, and they've developed their pitching. And Waka got hurt. Now he's back. He's gangbusters again. Adam Wainwright is gone. But you know what? They still have the best record in baseball. So, you know, would you be surprised? Would you be surprised if it came down to St. Louis and the Giants again? I mean, we'd be surprised just because of the fact that, you know, you thought that maybe the Giants wouldn't be around this year. But at the same time, the way that these two franchises have just consistently won, and it seems like their players step up when they have to, 34 and 30, the Giants, they shouldn't be, you know, even close to the Dodgers or ahead of the Padres. I'm pretty impressed with you know them three and a half back, um, you don't know what their hitting is going to be able to do to keep up. But uh, maybe the Giants pitching can uh, still keep them going. I don't know. You know, it's it's possible. And the Giants... What just happened with Lincecum? Did Lincecum just go down or something just happened with him too? Did he get injured? Jim, Jim. To me, Jim, something. Yeah, I don't know if he. I don't know if he went down to the minors or he's doing a rehab. Something just happened with Limps again. I, I just okay. read it or saw it somewhere. So. Well, I know. I, know I don't know. Bruce it, Harper it, goes back to the DL. He hurt his leg again, so he's back. Uh, he's actually going to be. He's actually going to be. Uh, he came <clears> back from the DL. Now he's actually going to be a DH. So you know, I bet these National League teams. So here's a question for you as as we wrap up this episode. These National League teams are getting a little taste of, you know, American League rules. And the question is, if you poll the players, do you think the players would want a DH, a unified DH across the American and That's National League? That's a good question, because a lot of them, when I hear them on interviews, they actually like the strategy of the National League. Um, but most pitchers but hate I, hitting. <laughs> they do. Some like it. Most, I would say, 75% don't like it. But I will say this. I think all the regular, everyday players, for the potential to be a DH and increase you know, their career financially, I think that they would definitely vote for it. And I think at some point, the type of you know, commissioner Manfred is, I think he might look to change it soon to make it uniform one way or the other. 
you know why I think they're going to change it also is because if, in fact, steroids are out of baseball and scoring is down, what people loved about baseball during the steroid era was the home runs, the long ball, and scoring. But if you take yeah, that seven, out... Seven to six it, games, not three to two. Yeah, right? Because some yeah. of it was drug, uh, you know, or performance-enhancing drug-enabled. So baseball has a problem now that they don't score enough. They're shortening the games to make it more palatable for TV, but they're not scoring enough. Yeah. So one of the ways Plus, those National League kids can score long more ball, is right. by putting a DH in. <laughs> you know that, right? Chicks dig the long ball? Exactly. So chicks dig the <laughs> DH. Chicks don't dig a pitcher hitting and bunting. <laughs> You know what I mean? Oh, listen, great, listen, great, great show. We thank you for we thank you for listening. We had uh, Ian Bagley on from ESPN New York. Man, he's just a man from ESPN talking about the Knicks, NBA Finals, the draft, free agency. So get ready, Knicks fans, get ready for that. And um, obviously, you know, we had our callers and talking NBA Finals, hockey, MLB. Great show. We will be back Friday, and it will either be to recap the NBA Finals. Or we will be previewing a Game 7. Enjoy it, everybody. Have a great sports week, right? Yep. Thanks for spending time with us. We'll see you on Friday.